It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design with Jason and friends. At the end of the episode, that's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, November eighth, and you're listening to episode four hundred and ninety-three. As always, I am your host, Jason. Today, joined once again by Jamie Sabriel Flez. Hey, Jamie, it's been a it's been a while. Hello, it's been a hot minute, as the it kids has. say. It has. <laughs> well, it's it's good to have you back. Uh, and once again, you continue uh, your awesome streak of requesting uh, great guests, and then we end up with great guests. So uh, yeah. today is no exception. We have uh, Danny Lowe here, from who's the marketing manager for Panasaurus. Hey, Danny. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me on. Yes, yes. We're excited to have you here. Um so I like how this is becoming my legacy of like requesting the best guests. It is. <laughs> That's a good thing to have on a resume, I think. Yes. Um, you uh, you are good at requesting uh, good guests. So way to go with that. Heck Myself, yeah. Skills I didn't know I had. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, how's how's everybody been doing here? Well, I summer was wild. But now it's settled down, and now I can be a human again, and that's why I didn't show up for five months. <laughs> now there I'm was, back. There was a little gap in, in hanging out with you, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm pleased to report that everything is fine. It was just like some health issues that are resolved and some apartment issues that are also resolved, and now everything is great, and there's no need to worry. Um, and I didn't get to do a lot of work on fight sequence. I was mostly just doing little background things like... Uh, writing flavor text, tidying up the rulebook, stuff like that. But there is one major piece of news. So uh, we had the the podcast recording, you know, way back in the day where I was trying to find a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. And I found a graphic designer. I hired a graphic designer. It was very exciting. And it turns out that graphic designer did not work out. Um, so we mm -hmm. parted ways. And so we had some bad news there. But it, and I, I was very stressed out for about a week. I didn't know what I was going to do because all of a sudden I was back in square one and I, I had already launched my social media and now all of a sudden I don't have graphic design for a few months again and I'll get into that uh, later. That'll be one of the questions is how to handle that. But the big, the light at the end of the tunnel is that I have a new graphic designer now um, and this one you might actually recognize by name, Jason, because you've been in the industry for a while. Her name is Calissa Fitzgerald. And I have she heard is that the name before. Yeah, she has done all of the graphic design for every set of Smash Up, every set of Mystic Veil, every wow. edition of Love Letter, and about 25 other games, mostly through AEG. She did like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. She that She's done all the graphic design for all of that. And she is now the graphic designer for Fight Sequence. Cool. First of all, congratulations. Yeah. S second Dang. of all, uh, how did you do that? <laughs> I. <laughs> it was... Just like the stars aligning and Mercury was in retrograde and the moon and the sun were in the same opposite axis of the earth. I don't know. And uh, I just made a post. I wish I remembered where it was. I think it was right after like figuring out like I have to let this person go. I have to send them the email because it's not working out. I made a flurry of posts and I believe it was... Um, one, it was one of the Facebook groups where I just made a post and I was like, I please save me someone. <laughs> and she was like, I just so happened to have time starting this summer. I can start working on this game. She, she just re replied in a comment. And I was like, OK, cool. Yeah, just send me your website. And she sent me the website and I saw all the games that she worked on. And I was <laughs> floored. I was blown away. So now I get to do a thing which I didn't anticipate, which is like 
kind of ride the coattails of <laughs> a big name to get the name of the game out there, which is not a thing I anticipated being able to do for my first game. Right, right. That's yeah, that's interesting. I know that looking at self-publishing in uh, artist choice, that's something that Hannah Schaefer and I have looked at, um, you know, picking an artist that has some sort of a following. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, as hey, they have followers, people like their art. Um, their art, mm -hmm. you know, might sell a few copies of the game, right? Um, exactly. Like uh, with uh, Herbaceous. I mean, I, I love Eduardo Boroff's game designs in general, but I know a bunch of my friends backed Herbaceous specifically because Beth Sobel was the artist. It's like, all right, well, that's that's a thing that happens now. Now I know. That's awesome. Danny may know a few things about that as well, since I'm sure you've gotten to work with many amazing artists <laughs> over your time. <laughs> No, that's actually a super valuable marketing strategy. Um, I, I don't have a huge hand in art design, but I do try to um, tag our our artists and our designers in social media posts because then mm -hmm. they can share to their audience too. Um, right. You know, those, the people following them love their work. So they'll go and check it out no matter what it is, even though, yep. even if they don't normally work on board games, suddenly you're exposing your board game to different audiences. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we've we've done that with another AEG graphic designer, Matt Paquette. He he's working on a ton of our mm. stuff now. Uh, Quan Shai Moria with all of our dinosaur oh, games. Yeah. His artwork yes. is iconic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, it's definitely. I'm excited that that you found someone so talented. Yeah, me too. It's it's funny when you think about artists selling games, Quan Chai is like the pinnacle of that, right? Like, mm -hmm. like there are a lot of people that would buy pretty much any game that had that art on it because it's just well, so it's beautiful. Funny. <laughs> it's funny. I'll see a new game just, you know, randomly on Board Game Geek or, or someone's talking about it. I'm like, that art is amazing. And then I go look it up. I'm like, of course, it's Quan Chai. No wonder yeah. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Yep. And the the range of art that I've seen from Quan Chai is just like, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you'll see a game and you'll think, wow, this is beautiful. And it's completely not what you'd expected. Um, the art that Quan Chai did for uh, um, Jiangxi, Blood in the Banquet Hall, mm -hmm. that uh, Banana oh my and God. Sen worked on. Gorgeous. Unreal. Unreal. That was one of those things like Danny just mentioned where I was like, oh my gosh, look at this. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, of course. But it feels really dark for what I would normally expect from Quan Chai. So it's just yeah. super cool. That's lot, kind of lot the of reason why there. it was so, yeah. it's And it, it's something like that where it's like such a genre shift. And mm -hmm. that alone, if someone has a following as an artist or any sort of presence, like that alone can... Yeah. you know, be enough to strike interest. I actually just experienced this with, um, yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with League of Legends, the game League of mm -hmm. Legends, Riot Games, that whole stuff. So yeah, they have yeah. they have League of Legends and it's this, you know, this like goofy little MOBA with these quirky characters and they have the card game and they have some other stuff. And in a couple of weeks, they launch the first episodes of their Netflix series. They have a Netflix series set in the same universe and it is oh. dark and gritty you watch the trailer and it's like, oh, my God, it's like tackling like drug addiction and like psychotic breaks and all kinds of wow. stuff like that. It's wild. I'm very excited about it because like that alone, like all of a sudden pivoting into something way darker is like that alone is enough to spark interest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's one like, reason um, if you're familiar with the, the Fable comics, they take classic um fables like little red riding mm -hmm. hood whatever and turn them into modern characters dealing with modern 
uh, struggles Ooh. like drug addiction and all these things. Oh my gosh, it, it's so subversive and interesting. I, I love yeah. that. That's fantastic. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, now we know what Jamie's going to do after this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Always looking for more character inspiration. That's that's my excuse. <laughs> yes. It's a good excuse. It's a good excuse. Yes. Well, hey, I want to make sure we have plenty of time to talk about this awesome topic. Um, Ooh. So we did. We talked about a similar topic previously. And now that we're getting a bit more focused here, um, for you on the marketing side of things. And this Mm -hmm. is, I'm like, this struck at a time where I'm not going to spoil it all. You uh, introduce it, but this struck at a time where for me working on trying to do some small self publishing, like this is, I was like, Oh, Jamie, you're reading my mind. Like this is fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. All right. And it's, it's funny you mentioned the previous episode. So, um, a few months ago, we did the episode about paid marketing strategies Mm -hmm. and, you know, we talked about different budgets, like a budget of $500 versus a budget of $5,000 and like different strategies to employ for paid marketing. However, I I am about to publish my first game. I have a very tight budget. And I mentioned having to get, you, you know, break things off with the previous graphic designer. And mm-hmm. I'm very proud of the fact that I, you know, upheld my moral and ethical values and paid the graphic designer for all the work that they did, because you got to do that. Don't ever yep. think about not doing that. However, that was my entire paid advertising budget. So now I can't do any paid advertising uh, for this first game, which is fine. And why you are here, Danny, is to talk us through (laughs) organic marketing, grassroots marketing, which is something I've, you know, it's I've known it's been super valuable. I've been doing research on it on and off for about a year and a half. I just am struggling to get started is essentially what it is. Like I have a small little tiny following but it's definitely not the numbers I need to have a successful Kickstarter campaign. Mm. So the perspective that I'm coming from, and I'll get into a little bit like some weird specific questions for you, but I'll start with some general questions. Like, so how does one as a small, you know, independent first time publisher, maybe they're first time or second time publisher, they have a tiny following and they want to build up enough audience organically non-paid to go from where they are now to being like a successful Kickstarter project. That is this perspective uh, in a general sense. And I'll get into some specific questions about my situation because there are some weird quirky things that might help other people. Um, But the first question that I have to just dive right in is um, something that I've heard. So like I mentioned, I've been doing my own research. And one of the things that a lot of people have said in order to succeed at organic marketing is to give more than you get. And I know what that means, but I figure talking about that a little bit so listeners can hear that will be good. And then my my follow-up question is, are there other like global best practices that you know of that are going to help you, you know, be, you know, a positive member of the community and build organic marketing besides just give what you get? Like what other tips and tricks do you have? So give more than you get is my golden rule. That's how I, mm-hmm. I, how I direct my whole day. Um, and let me start off by explaining that I don't consider myself an indie publisher, right? I work for Pandasaurus, um, who has been around for a decade now, even though our mm-hmm. team's only six people, <laughs> we're not I very know. large, but it's so um, wild, <laughs> <laughs> but we've, we've published multiple games, right? Um, however, organic, 
community-based, grassroots-based marketing is the foundation of my day-to-day. So give more than you get. Um, you know, it's, it's mostly self-explanatory. Um, you want to be contributing to the communities you want to reach. Um, so they see you as one of their own and they become emotionally invested in what you're doing uh, and, and want to come back to your projects and see you reach success and joy mm-hmm. <laughs> and make mm-hmm. more games, right? So um, what this looks like for me, um, primarily in social media marketing, is participating in the community. So, uh, well, from the outside, it may just look like I'm on my phone a lot. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm reading threads. I'm seeing what people are talking about, and I'm contributing to those conversations. Um, and that is both as me on my personal account and also as Pandasaurus. Um, we can mm. go into the differences a little bit later, yeah, but, we have questions about that specific yeah. thing, in fact. <laughs> They're both valuable in different ways. Um, one is, um, I guess I'll, I'll just say it now, my personal responses are mostly um, research-based, like contributing in, into conversations about certain trends I'm seeing or why people like such and such aspect about a game. Um, with Pandasaurus, I'll chime in when people are talking about my games or if it's a question specifically that I can answer as, as my company, right? Um, either way, people will see your name pop up in these conversations if they're also active in the community, right? So they'll start to recognize you and see you as, um, they'll start to understand your personality and become friends in a way or connections, right? Um, you'll, you'll start to share these bonds with other people and, they'll make these positive connections with you when they see you. So when you share big news, uh, an, uh, an update or an announcement, whatever, they'll be like, oh, this is something I care about implicitly because I know this person or I know this company, right? Um, so that's the, the giving. And then mm-hmm. in return, you'll get that, rep- that, that support or it doesn't even have to be monetary monetary support. It could be, oh, they're just going to look at your posts and engage. But engagement mm-hmm. is super valuable, even though it's not paid, right? Because algorithms. <laughs> oh, algorithms. Oh, boy. <laughs> so many word. thoughts on algorithms. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The things we all definitely 100% understand. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's it's interesting I, I you say you know that you 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 get to a point where you just implicitly you know care about the posts and the company because there are so many games out there right there's so mm-hmm. many companies mm-hmm. and there are probably 10 companies and when i see somebody post something about that company i'm interested right and almost all of them, while they all make good games, it's all because i have some sort of personal either relationship or knowledge even if it's just we're friends on Twitter, right? Yeah. Like to, to, to want to look at the stuff they're doing. Um, so like as a consumer, 100%, like that, that gets me every time. And, and I, I've found people where all they do is spam for the company, right? The company's just like, buy our stuff, buy our stuff and never engages. And I so quickly unfollow those companies, even yeah. if I still buy their product, don't I do don't that. engage with them because that's not fun. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm at the point where I, I am very reticent towards 
buying anything from the company if they do something like that because it's clear that they are only in it for the getting and not the giving and when there are so many other companies making good games making good products that are doing the giving it's like oh you clearly care about the success of others and therefore i want to support you just like you were saying danny it's like right it's Mm -hmm. a it's cyclical feeds into itself support is is definitely a two-way street and it, mm-hmm. these streets reach everyone, not just your fans slash customers, but also press people, content creators you work with, other mm-hmm. other game companies, actually. Like, you, you can hype each other up. The, mm-hmm. the industry is large enough for everyone. So if you see yeah. something mm-hmm. really cool, like, chime in. I don't think there should be the stigma of, of commenting on another company's post. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because then, like, yeah, in a, in a more sneaky way, their fans are seeing you too, right? Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Today, <laughs> actually, I oh, real quick. Today, I actually backed two games on Kickstarter. Even though I said I won it, I still did, <laughs> and it's because I backed two, uh, two games because a company that I follow, um, who's I'm friends with the owner, they said on the day their Kickstarter launched, they said, "Hey, everybody should go check out this other Kickstarter," and I went wow. and backed that Kickstarter, the and it was like, launched. "Oh, wait." They had one lunch today too, and then I backed that one. So, like, oh. <laughs> so I mean, they 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 gave me directions to spend money on someone else, and mm-hmm. then I I ended up back at them, also buying their product. Be- yeah. and, and I wouldn't have possibly backed either one of those because I wouldn't have realized it until they did that. Um, so I, I thought that was cool. Sorry, Jamie, you were going to say something. That's very cool. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say like yeah, from a, from a practical standpoint. The more you comment on other people's things, the more audiences you kind of reach. Uh, And then also just from a community standpoint, it's like people just see you supporting other people. So it's a it's a win win. I feel I don't really see a downside to it unless you handle it inappropriately by spamming your own things on other people's posts, which is obviously not a thing to do. Yeah, this is this is given that you you understand the social boundaries of like don't just spam your Kickstarter link or whatever. <laughs> the or go to someone's Kickstarter to post another Kickstarter. That's my favorite. Oh, oh my gosh, that. does that happen? I bet it oh. happens. I'm so glad I haven't I'm, seen that I'm because sure I would lose my mind. Oh God, yikes! Well, hmm. oh man, it's things awkward. to look forward to when I launch mine. <laughs> Oh, gosh. All right. So cool. Okay. So we talked about give more than than you get. Can you think of any other like golden rules that we should know going in before we dive into more questions? Mm. Well, I kind of mentioned one just now very briefly. It was a one second mm-hmm. sound sound clip. <laughs> but um, <laughs> be genuine in in your comments and your compliments and your support and your hype. Like, People's BS meter is there. It's very sensitive. They will mm-hmm. know if you're doing it for ulterior motives or whatever. Um, so like, and that's not to say like you should use one exclamation point instead of three. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to use fifteen use all the time. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's an odd number, you're good. Yeah, twenty percent of number. my bloodstream is exclamation points at this point. I can't <laughs> use less than ten. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, I'm probably underestimating. <laughs> on average, on average. Um, but yeah, like, and I can't even give examples of of bad, of of fake genuineness because it's contradictory. Um, but you can you can just tell. So mm-hmm. it's like 
you don't have to talk about your own stuff 100% of the time. You don't even have to talk about your own stuff on your social feed. Um, like mm-hmm. you can, you can just share stuff or talk about your day or share a meme. And that's totally fine. Like bringing a genuine human connection to your platform is, is what you should do in my opinion. <laughs> I, one of the things mm-hmm. that I, I see your company doing um, based on the posts I see you make on Twitter, I'm sure this is important to you as well. Um, that Pandasaurus consistently, when something goes wrong uh, in game game world, which happens a lot, right? We have, mm-hmm. unfortunately, a lot of cruddy people doing cruddy things. Um, I feel like Pandasaurus's response, which I know sometimes is you, <laughs> is always spot on in correcting like, hey, we saw this thing. This is what we're doing. This is, you know, we're going to make a donation. We're going to do whatever. And I, I super respect that. Like, I'm not just shilling for Pandasaurus mm-hmm. here. Like that makes me feel good about the company um, to see companies because that feels genuine, right? Because it's saying like, like, I always think of this when a company says we will no longer be working with this thing or doing this thing. I think you are losing money. Like you are losing money because of that. And that is genuine to me, right? If you're willing to say <laughs> yeah. we're a business out to make money and we're going to purposely lose money because it's the right thing to do here, like that's that's fantastic. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. that it's uh, noticed and appreciated. Though we would do it even if it wasn't noticed. Um, and I believe that. I, I honestly <laughs> believe that. So, <laughs> um, it's one yeah. of the things I I enjoy most about my job at Pandasaurus because it's not always me. Um, spearheading those initiatives. It's often mm-hmm. um, the co-owners, Molly and Nathan, who will draft up a whole statement and be like, hey, post this. Or they'll post it on Facebook and they're like, please edit for Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. so it's everyone at our company, all six of us, <laughs> um, <laughs> do share the same morals and values. And it's really important to put, to actually put our money where our mouth is because mm-hmm. Of the six people, half of us are non-men, half of us are queer. Like, so we, as people, feel supported by the owners um, and can feel good about knowing that the the games we're making uh, represent us and support us fully and everyone else, right? That's fantastic. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. That is exactly the, the same driving force that drives Triple Rainbow Games. Um, so I, I am right there with you. It's a, it, the, the fact that, and this is one of the things I love about the board game industry. I, I notice this a lot more in board games than I do in most other industries or game design in general, where so many smaller companies or so, so many companies in general, but especially smaller companies have the power to put their money where their mouth is and like have their company uphold their beliefs and make the world better through it which is super rad very down for that that's good stuff yeah all right so give more than you get and be genuine um are there any other golden rules we should know or shall we hop to the next question um at the moment i've only got those two golden rules but i will let you know if another one great in my head Sweet. Just falls falls right out of the brain space. <laughs> um, all right. So my next like general question is, do you 
employ sorry so we talked about give more than you get we talked about be genuine including these and whatever other strategies you employ do you uh do you have different strategies for gathering new followers versus retaining old ones or is it just all the same to you just global across the board you just do the one thing <laughs> um so they're definitely things I do with the goal of gaining more people or mm-hmm. with the added benefit of gaining more people. Um, those things involve giveaways for free games or promo cards or whatever. Um, Got people it. love free things. And especially <laughs> if one of the requirements is sharing the contest to get more eyes on it, you know, mm-hmm. people will flock to you. The risk with giveaways is that not all of your followers will be genuinely interested in you and your Mm -hmm. company, but rather the one free thing for that week. (laughs) Um, But that is also community support. Like you're also rewarding your longtime followers. So you don't want to be too generous or too um, frequent with your giveaways because of that risk. Um, Mm -hmm. The other thing that I often see gaining new followers is doing uh, participating in events and events is kind of this huge umbrella term it doesn't only involve conventions but it's participating in someone else's live stream right getting in front of their audience and being like oh you can Mm. find me on whatever um obviously there's you could do your own events too and if they're exciting people will flock to you and all of that um, but for example, we just did Aw Shucks, uh, oh, yeah. online convention by Shut Up and Sit Down. Um, and we always see a huge bump or not a huge, bump. we see a bump after these online events because there's a, a central hub where fans of all different companies and creators come to one place and then they find new homes to, to discover from there. Got it. Mm-hmm. For existing followers, uh, if they've stuck around, they probably like what you're doing already. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, there are a few things I like to do to reward my existing followers though. Like little, here's a cookie. Thanks for being you. Um, <laughs> one of those is giveaways. I wish um, I had more friends that just did that in my general life. <laughs> <laughs> With actual cookies. That would be great. Me too, actually. <laughs> I, have, I have a cookie shortage in my life. All right. You heard it here first. Let's start this movement, this social, <laughs> this social movement. Cookies for everyone. Yeah. Tell your um, friends you like that they exist and give them cookies. <laughs> That's great. Um, the other things, I mean, supporting them, right? We already talked about a few of the things like responding to your, your fans posts that they've tagged you in and all of that. Just acknowledging them. I see you. Thanks for, for doing that. You're great. Um, mm-hmm. giving them exclusive promo codes or uh, exclusive news announcements is also a cool thing to do. If okay. you have your mailing list broken out into different segments, you can see who's been here since day one or who's who's backed your campaign first and all of this. Um, mm-hmm. How do you do that for social media? Is there a way? Um. You could, you could target it like on your Instagram stories. Those are fleeting. You know, they expire after 24 hours. So you could do mm. a promo code. It's only visible for 24 hours. So you know the people who have seen it 
are the ones who are checking your things and like are involved, oh, engaged. So that's smart. the way to, so to drop a cookie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Uh, or, you know, you just, um, I forget what they're called, but like Easter eggs. Mm. You could do Easter eggs mm. if you have recorded a YouTube video. You don't put it in the video description, but you can put it in the closed captions and you can say it, right? Oh, and for you watchers right now, here's limited time promo code or drop a comment and I'll pick one of you for a promo card. There's, Mm. you you can get pretty creative with it. Interesting. That sounds like (laughs) an entire episode on its own. (laughs) That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm vibing here, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is cool. It's cool that it goes that deep Uh, because that's one of those things where it's like, I didn't know that I didn't know that. And now I know it. And it's a whole rabbit hole. (laughs) Right. Right. The possibilities are endless. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So cool. Sweet. All right. Those are those are some good pointers. Awesome. Um, Now, now we're we're going to start diving into some specifics. So I have a friend who does social media marketing. Um. It wasn't for board games. He was doing it for like a like a church. Oh, I forget what the term is. Like a church congregation, like a group of churches is what mm-hmm. he was working for. And he's recently now like diving into board games. And he was telling me about the differences between social media platforms. Because when I first started, I was like, mm, I hate Facebook. I'm going to try not doing Facebook. And I'm going to do Instagram and Twitter. And I really was not feeling Twitter, but I was feeling Instagram. And I talked to him about it. And he said, Instagram is a place where people go to celebrate each other's successes, and where conversations are permanent. Twitter is a place where people go to vent, so there's instantly more negativity, and conversations are ephemeral. It's harder for people to see your stuff. Um, So first thing is, do you agree with that? Second is, what do you think of as the differences between social media platforms in general? And then I'll I'll leave it there, and then I have a follow-up question afterwards, but I'll I'll wait. <laughs> Thanks. I was Let's hear the differences between the platforms in your in your opinion, and if you agree right. with my friend's assessment. So, generally, I think his assessment is fairly accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, let me start off with how I rank the platforms, and then we can dive into why that is. Great. So, um, for and I'll I'll look at it as a a work lens, not just which ones I use the most personally. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're talking for like companies and stuff. Yep, yep. So my number one is actually Twitter. Um, what? Whoa. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> my number two is Instagram. If there's a number lower than three, it would be Facebook. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, TikTok <laughs> is also in there relatively high. Um, Based on the success I've seen other companies have with TikTok um, and other creators, it's it's amazing, but I don't have the bandwidth to take advantage of it myself. Um, mm. Because you have to be you have to become a content creator in a whole different way on TikTok mm-hmm. than on the other platforms. I have no videography skills. I have no choreography skills. I am white and I can't <laughs> dance very well. So to really take advantage of TikTok, you have to jump on the on the latest trends and memes and all of these things. I'm also not mm. incredibly funny. So <laughs> I need someone else <laughs> to do TikTok um, to really 
I've, I've made three TikToks and each one took me multiple hours. So I'm Yikes. just going to leave it there. However, other people graded it. So <laughs> um, <laughs> back, back to Twitter. Uh, my one and only, my beloved. Um, I only started using <laughs> I only started using Twitter uh, when the pandemic happened, and it was a way to stay connected to oh, everyone. Wow. And this mm. is why I really love it is because yes, conversations happen very quickly. Um, if something goes viral, it explodes with comments, and anything you've ever wanted to say has been said by someone else. Um, and there, it's really easy to interact with people who are completely random, like random strangers who you may not uh, agree with. However, this mm-hmm. ease of conversation and connection and shareability are the main values for Twitter. Um, I think it's much easier to share fan posts, to have long conversations without clogging up everyone else's feeds. Um, it still supports videos and images really well. So it checks all the boxes for me. Um, that being said, there is a lot of noise on Twitter. Like you, you have to curate your feed by following the people you want to, um, because it will also show you what people you're following are engaging with. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a pro and a con, right? For viewers, they may get overwhelmed and not find the info they want. But as a business, there's the potential for. Um, engagement from people who aren't following you yet that you could snatch. Um, Instagram. I find Instagram harder to have conversations on. Um, and it may just be how notifications are received um, through Instagram. Like they're all in the same place. They all look the same. Uh, mm. You can thread comments, but then if there's a lot of comments in a post, it's really hard to see all of them. <laughs> Um, though the story aspect where you can tag a company, a fan can tag a company in a post and then the company can share it to their stories. That's really valuable. And that's probably what I enjoy the most on Instagram. Um, Mm. being able to support our fans that way is really nice because then they get kind of starstruck. Oh, this company, this bigger page than mine has shared the thing. Um, I feel really special now. So creating those mm. moments for your fans is is great. Um, and then Facebook, I mean, what can I say about Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> we we use Facebook, but if we hadn't already have had a page, I don't know that I'd be posting on it as often as I do, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, I'm sure you probably have heard this, but the the pro strat now is to not use the page, but use a group. Because yes. of the way the algorithms yeah. work and like it, because I started a page for Triple Rainbow Games and I made my first post and it was like, here's the general art for the characters of fight sequence. And it got like 300 views and a whole bunch of random people commented. And then every single post I've ever made since then has gotten zero views and they're locking it behind a paywall because that's what Facebook does with pages. But yeah. groups it's bad. don't do that. Groups are much easier to access, and when you make a post in a group, everyone in the group will still see it, regardless of how many posts or people are in the group. So that's yeah. unless you, you can turn that off, though. But um, right, as the user, you can say, "I'm in this group, but I don't want to see notifications for it." But the fact right, that right, you're right. in yeah. the group means that you're more likely to want to see notifications for it because you join the group. Exactly. 
Well, and that's a really interesting strategy too. Yeah, Facebook pages, garbage. Facebook groups, yes. actually really valuable micro communities. Um, yep. Because by mm -hmm. default, they get the notification when a new post has been made. And granted, consumers can do that with Facebook pages, right? Have it be one of their um, important or whatever it's called. Yeah, whatever it is. See, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but groups, you could even break it down by, like, we have a, a Facebook group for our dinosaur games, Dinosaur Island, Dinosaur World. There's a whole, like, universe that we've got going. And so we've grouped it into mm -hmm. one. And, like, you can talk about just dinosaurs. It doesn't have to be board games in this group because we've got this theme going. Um, we could also mm. potentially make one for our card games and stuff like that. So you can really break it down into the specific interest. Um, and that makes it more likely for people to engage in the group. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, even if or, they're not interested in the games, kind of yeah. like uh, we talked about before mm -hmm. with the sharing for, the artists example, and stuff. Our Facebook page, you know, and, and generally I'll post on our Facebook page and then share it into the group. So our Facebook page will get 30 likes, sprinkling of comments sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. Facebook group guaranteed to have some sort of conversation happening like back and forth with the designers with fans with us um yep it's great so i do recommend facebook groups yep and uh and my strategy for the page now is at the top of the page like i have a pinned post that's like here is our links to our website to our group to our other stuff i mean i don't have the group yet but i'll get into that in mm -hmm. a little bit um <laughs> so it's like it just the the page just has you know some basic logoing, some art, the pinned post, and I'm not even doing anything with it anymore. It's just here, like we exist as a Facebook page and it links to everything else to get around that stupid paywall thing that Facebook is trying to use to extort money out of everybody. Um, well, they don't, okay. they don't have enough money, so they have they to don't have enough money it from people. Clearly. Exactly. <laughs> All us, you know, grassroots businesses. Um, <laughs> okay. So one quick question I have before I get into the follow-up question is with TikTok, because I am super unfamiliar with TikTok, is TikTok only videos? And that's why it has more of an investment. Okay, cool. Yeah. 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 Um, Sorry. I nodded, which is. Yeah. I was about to say <laughs> for those listening, Danny nodded at me and I said, okay, cool. Um, and now I know. And, uh, okay. So here is my follow-up question. As I mentioned, when I began my social media journey, and I'll get into the specifics of how it has gone. But I started with Instagram and Twitter. And I let Twitter fall by the wayside. And Instagram I enjoy. And I'm sticking with Instagram. But Facebook has the most people, even though it is the most obnoxious. But with the groups, it's much less obnoxious. There's a plan there. So I have an established history of posts on Instagram. And I want to now make a Facebook group and begin on Facebook. And I am starting fresh on Facebook with an established history of posts and some followers on Instagram. Do you have specific strategies that you recommend I employ for now basically starting new on Facebook with the mm. social media plan and stuff? So is your goal to get your Instagram audience over to Facebook or get new people? So you kind of cover your bases? Ah, I have a question about transferring audiences later, but this is just <laughs> literally like... So this is actually a great follow-up question. So to clarify, I want to reach as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. And so I'm asking this from the perspective of 
I have zero followers on Facebook, and I would like to get as many people who are already on Facebook into my group such that I just build the audience. And I'm not yet thinking about transferring audiences, but I'll ask about that in a little bit. Yeah, I think they're they're slightly connected. Um, with Facebook, the struggle is always reaching people without boosting your posts with money. So mm-hmm. for spa- for Facebook, for Facebook, <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> specifically. Bouncing off the satellites in the atmosphere. Facebook. <laughs> Oh, I, I spoiled their next press release. Sorry. I oh, know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this this comes back to giving more than you get and interacting with the community because there are quite a few Facebook groups for board gamers in general, right? There's Board Game Spotlight, Board Game Group, BGG, Dice Tower. Like they all have their own groups mm-hmm. with thousands of people. Um, and they're incredibly active too. Like people post in them multiple times a day so much so that Mm -hmm. I've actually like muted a few of them um (laughs) however I think it's entirely appropriate if if you're also participating in these groups right and then you can plug your your own group like oh I've been I've been sharing my next game you all have been enjoying it like here's a Facebook group if you want to talk only about this and no other games or like get behind the scenes info and talk to the designer and and see the inspo behind the art design and all these things. So mm. engaging with the community to grab their interest and instill trust in you and interest in, in your products, right? And then giving them something new that will make them migrate. Yep. And that's the important thing is establish the trust first and don't just come out swinging with your Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. One Facebook group that I found really interesting was AEG's Mariposas, their um, Elizabeth Hargrave's game about monarch butterflies. So Mm -hmm. um, before the game released, they had hundreds of people in the Facebook group. And the reason being is that they were doing this community contest where you had to post pictures of butterflies you saw. So it was nothing like it was no board game components. It was just butterflies and flowers in the Facebook group. But the that designer, like excellent. Elizabeth, yeah, she was chiming in. She was hyping up everyone's butterflies. It was just beautiful <laughs> nature group. <laughs> it, uh, you know, this nature group instead of a board game group. But then those people stayed because they were learning about uh, why butterflies and the different types of butterflies and plants that tied into the board game. Um, but of course, those types of posts wouldn't be allowed in the the broader board game groups. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a good point. Super smart. Yeah. It allows for different channels to like different rabbit holes to dive down into that again, reach a different subset of people. And that's valuable. Mm -hmm. Good to know. Mm. Very cool. Um, Okay. So my next question now, now we're starting to dig into the specifics of my situation. That was, that was halfway there. Now we're going full throttle. So, As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, my life kind of exploded for a few months. And part of that, like within that, was also um, basically like losing a graphic designer and then having to start over with a new graphic designer. So before the life exploded and when I hired the first graphic designer, that's when I was like, cool, I'm going to launch the social media marketing now. 
I'm going to start the regular mailing list updates. I'm going to start the regular Instagram posts and Twitter posts and all this other stuff because I have all this art already from the artist and I'm about to get this graphic design and I'm about to get other stuff and we're heading towards the Kickstarter now. So I started posting and then between, you know, having to change graphic designers, now I don't have graphic design. Now I still only have art and my life kind of exploding for a few months. I just kind of fell off the face of the earth with the social media (laughs) posts. My last mailing list update was in May, Mm. uh, for example. So in the time that I was doing the first round of posts, I gathered, you know, a couple hundred followers between Instagram, the mailing list, and there's a tiny amount on Twitter and stuff like that. Do you have specific recommendations for starting up again after this hiatus? Or should I just treat it like it never happened? Should I address it? Are there specific things like a a strategy of posts for like a month to two months, like recommending X, Y, and Z in order to, you know, prove to people that I'm not going to disappear again and, you know, keep them engaged and get new backers and stuff like that? Um, okay, follow-up question, just to mm-hmm. right-size my, my internal timeline. Do you know when you're planning on launching your Kickstarter? I, oh, what a great oh, question that great I wish question. I had an answer to. <laughs> no, it it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I, I don't have an exact date, but I'm I'm aiming for spring 2022. No, that's based great. on the timeline of how the graphic designer is doing stuff. Hmm. I ask because um, if it was next month, let's say. Oh, then... that'd be bad. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a real bad situation. <laughs> no, it's it's at least six months from now and hopefully only six months from now. Roughly. Well, that's, that's great. So five months hiatus. Let's... I think the best way, right, going back to the genuineness, the human element, you don't have to explain your whole life details, but say, hey, the past few months have been rough, personally, dealing with X, Y, and Z, you don't even have to go into X, Y, and Z, but acknowledge that there was a break, like, show that you're mm-hmm. communicative, right, that that there's nothing to worry about, <laughs> all regular programming has resumed, um, <laughs> But acknowledge that, you know, you're a person, infallible, and things happen, right? Uh, I think brushing it under the rug and not acknowledging it at all will start to set the precedent, at least in backers' minds, that um, you tend to disappear off the face of the earth. And, like, if there's a problem with the campaign, you just ignore it, which is not something I recommend doing with Kickstarters. (laughs) Yeah, probably the worst thing to do. From what I from what I understand about Kickstarter, I would say yes. <laughs> um, for I mean, beyond that, I would just say, hey, in the five months, here's what progress I've made, and if it's not much, that's fine because you are dealing with real human stuff. Um, to keep them engaged and keep them coming back, um, I might share some behind the scenes stuff. Like if you mm-hmm. have no new art, talk about your design inspirations. What what has caught your eye? Um, it could be even from other companies if you're comfortable doing that. But just like start oh, a yeah. discussion and just like share something with them. You don't need to share a content schedule to be like, you can hold me to these expectations. And if I don't post every Tuesday, you can come get me or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Uh, well, that sounds terrifying. So I'm glad I don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think you need to do anything set in stone to get them back on track or like back behind you. Because if they're still subscribed, I mean, that's great. You may mm-hmm. see some fall off at the next time you send a newsletter as people remember that they're subscribed and maybe they have too much junk email. Who knows? But starting a new and just creating something, starting that ball rolling is the best thing to do. Got it. Um, quick follow-up question. So mm-hmm. I have art. Uh, so I'm making Fight Sequence a character-based fighting game, and I have six characters in the first set that I'm going to kickstart. Um, and I have... Uh, so what I'm doing for each set of characters is getting art of them celebrating Pride and art of them celebrating Halloween. Mm-hmm. And so with the pride art, it's their, you know, it's their color schemes that are like representing their gender and sexuality, which is cool. And with the Halloween art, it's uh, them in costume as one of their main inspirations for how I developed the character. Now, because the hiatus was over the summer, the pride art is posted almost nowhere. It's posted in the Discord server, but I don't think on any of the other social media, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have this pride art waiting in the wings and I have this Halloween art that's ready to go. And my thought was launch like relaunch everything with the halloween art and being like hey sorry for the hiatus here's halloween art here's the cast celebrating and then talk about inspirations and stuff and then use that to sort of relaunch the social media campaigns i think that's do you adorable. think i should great okay cool um do you think i should wait for the pride art until pride comes around next time or be like hey i got this pride art a few months ago i know it's not pride now but pride month should be every month and here's some pride art or save (laughs) that save that for next june (laughs) um i think it'd probably have the biggest impact once like june 1st boom (laughs) but i mean it seems like uh queer identity is core to your game which is amazing so the people supporting your game it's potentially the same for them too so they'd probably appreciate it but i might save it for as like one of those cookies you give your community for being super involved. Like, mm. hey, here's an early mm-hmm. look at our pride celebration. Ah, um, okay, cool, mm-hmm. good to yeah. know. All but there's right. also is... um, there's a lot of potential too to engage your community if you ever commission more of these these themed art pieces. Um, I know the the Halloween costumes are themed around their inspirations, but you could be like, mm-hmm. hey, here's character A. Um, vote on whether you think they should be a werewolf or a ghost or whatever and then you can do it that yeah way. that's that's one of the things i've been struggling with is like those community sort of engagement things but that is actually a great segue into my next question so um as i mentioned i have a whole slew of art and the graphic design is that, that, you know, I ha- we had to pump the brakes on that because I was switching mm-hmm. graphic designers. And the right. graphic designer now is just getting started with stuff. So I'm at the point right now currently where I still only have art as far as like, here are things I can show people. And the best advice that I got from my business partner is everything is content, but everything is vague. And so I'm a little, <laughs> one of the things that I've, one of the things I've been kind of choking on, and this is like my big thing where I need a little bit of a pep talk and a little bit of just like some some foundational knowledge is how can I diversify my posts so I'm not only posting art and I keep people engaged? Like just what are some general, you know, because obviously like manufacturing stuff is big. People love seeing, 
you know, the game at the factory, but that's not happening for a while. People love to see the graphic design being developed, but that's not happening for a while. What else can I do? Why do I wait for those things to happen? Mm-hmm. No, this is super interesting. And, and that piece of advice is very valuable. Everything is content. And I love mm-hmm. recycling everything into other things. For example, mm. um, I try to write a newsletter to our fans every week or two, um, but really only when I have something important and interesting to talk about. Mm. However, these newsletters, like I take the time to write the copy and find and format images and send it out. I use that same content that I've just made and turn it into a blog post on our website. And then I can break Mm. that down even further into social media posts or a Twitter thread. Um, So you can reformat things to make it ideal for each platform. So it looks like it was designed only for that, but I've used it in like four or five different places. Mm. Um, Mm. As for what type of content, like what is the subject of the thing I'm talking about? Honestly, it's everything. It could be anything. Um, You have a lot (laughs) of art, but like I said, you could post, you could zoom in on one specific part and decide like, or discuss why you gave them this type of hair why they're wearing these type of clothes, like what their personality is um, and how it connects to you, the designer and creator. Um, Got it. Though um, it could even be boring stuff. Like I love a good day in the life post. And I think that's how um, Jason, Jason saw my recent one um, Mm -hmm. last week or whatever. Um, Yeah. uh, I do these occasionally on Twitter. I just start a Twitter thread and I outline each task that I'm working on. Um, And so my recent one, I started, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm answering emails and this is an interesting email I just got. And I can kind of tease spoilers of new games or new development. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm proofing a rule book, which is really uninteresting, but here's a screenshot of this thing you've never seen before. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Yeah, uh, those those posts are phenomenal. Like I absolutely love that because it's it's a personal way to engage with a company and with a person um that in and you can also learn from it. In addition mm-hmm. to getting some easter eggs, you can just learn from it. Like, oh, this is how you handle stuff, you know, and yeah, I find those really really useful and and interesting. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, for me, I do them <laughs> My last one, I I just admitted it straight up. I was like I'm overwhelmed and don't know where to start. So you're going to keep me accountable in my work day. Yep. yep. <laughs> All right. Like my to-do list is too long. So I'm just going to start and tell you what I'm doing. <laughs> but, gotcha. you know, it got shared a lot. Like people are still talking about it, which I, I really appreciate. And, you know, it, it wasn't the goal, but I'm glad that can help people. Um, mm. Like I even posted my coffee breaks. Like it, it just went into the nitty gritty. Everyone loved it, even though I thought it was kind of silly. <laughs> um, in a more polished route, I know some designers like Omari Akil, he'll do live streams of him mm. laying out his cards, like just doing a, an Adobe InDesign import, <laughs> which is arguably not interesting either. But, you know... He's got chat going, so he's interacting with his fans or other designers, and they'll ask him questions, uh, or he's he's playtesting certain things or just setting it up in Tabletop Simulator. So tasks that are just 
banal everyday things that you have to do, you can just Mm. share them. And so people know that things are happening. They kind of get a peek behind the scenes into what it's like to be an indie publisher or a designer. Um, So really the possibilities are endless. And if you really want to like optimize what your audience is doing, not that many people have time for that, but you could post (laughs) a sprinkling of different topics and see what your audience engages with most. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. then you've got your, your strategy of what to talk about. Got it. Counterpoint. Literally nothing Omari does is not interesting. Oh yeah. Everything Omari does is interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I, one of the coolest people ever. (laughs) Yes. I feel I have like a, a little like celebrity starry eye moment. There was one, I forget exactly which online convention it was. I want to say it was Gen Con online a while back or something. And he was trying to bring critical care. Mm-hmm. And he had an issue with the TTS mod because TTS was breaking. So of instead, course. me and one other person hopped into his Hoop Gods Tabletopia game. And I was, you know, I was being a comedian. I was in full, full on social mode. Part of that, I was being a little like nervously chatty because I was playing a game with Omari Akil. Um, and at one point, I just like as an offhand thing, this is the thing I say a lot where I was like, I, I had messed up something and they needed to walk me through it. And I was like, oh, my God, I, I don't understand. I need an adult. And Omari <laughs> laughed his face off at that. He was like, I need an adult. Oh, my God, that's so funny. I've never heard that before. And I was like, that's a freebie. You can have it. Never forget that I'm the person that introduced you to this meme <laughs> phrase. <laughs> And I, I don't know if he will remember me, but he will definitely remember that phrase. And so I feel, I feel a little honored at that. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> that's, that's my fun little anecdote. That's one of the things like, Jason, if we ever get an episode where I am on with Omari Akil, that's going to be the first thing that I say on air. And I'm going to see if he remembers <laughs> that. It's going to be awesome. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> that's all good stuff. That's a lot of great ideas. Uh, and I have one more specific question and then, and then I know Jason has a question. Um, so on Instagram, lots of random people following me mm-hmm. and here's something that I've noticed, especially recently, a bunch of other game creators or businesses or like game related businesses. Like we make very fancy Mancala boards and stuff like that. A bunch of people have followed me that I have not followed back. I went there. I was like, hey, cool. Someone followed me. I checked out their page. I scoped it out. And I think to myself, this game doesn't align with my game design values. Or perhaps this company might not align with my values. I'm looking at their posts. I'm trying to see what their intended audience is. I feel like I don't really want that audience and my audience to mix. So I don't follow them back and I just leave it at that. Do you recommend that as a strategy like we talked earlier about like putting your money where your mouth is and like not engaging with companies that don't uphold your values is this an extension of that do you think or like i'm not 100 percent sure how instagram works like if i follow them back can all of a sudden those businesses and audiences like interact with my audience is that a thing that i have to worry about or am i overthinking things what's the story there so in general, for every social media platform, you want the number of people following you to be larger than the number of people you are following. Mm. Because that gives the impression and like the fact, right, that that you're this this popular force. People are flocking to you and you're kind of like 
this elusive cat who's like gives your attention selectively. Um, <laughs> for whatever reason, that gives you a better sense of credibility because there are companies and in, in accounts that will do um, that will bank on the follow for follow strategy. So they'll mm-hmm. just follow everyone and everyone's mother and everyone's cousin, hoping that some of them will instantly follow back. And then maybe they'll convert to customers, right? And, and mm. true fans. But it's a, a really, uh, I don't want to call it cheap, but that's the only word that's popping in my head. It's a cheap strategy to increase your follower count. But um, if, if the number of people you're following is higher than those following you, it gives the impression that your account is not actually worth following and that you're kind of desperate for followers by employing this, this follow follow strategy. Mm, So to answer your question, I think it's perfectly acceptable to not follow every single company that follows you and, or not follow every single fan or content creator. Mm. Um, Because you want your followers to be engaged as well, because that's another trick. If your follower account is super high, but the people liking and engaging with your posts is super low, that's another red flag too. It could mean Mm -hmm. that you have a lot of bot followers or that you have a lot of people who are interested once and then forgot about you and so no longer Mm. see your posts. So you do want to have um, your follower numbers be relatively, you know, to have the correlation between followers and engagement make sense. Um, got it one what happens oh this, sorry sorry jamie um, no you go one like uh pinnacle example of this is the among us account which is a video game right the mm-hmm. the imposter um but on most if not all of their accounts they follow one other account and that's the account that their overarching studio runs inner sloth so you know it's legit. You know everyone's there because they're just Among Us fanatics. Uh, mm. And it's so cool. It's so freaking cool. <laughs> um, cool. Interesting. Yeah. That's good for to know. Me for Pandasaurus, I'll follow content creators um, I enjoy working with um, who, who interact a lot with us or who I want to work with. Um, I'll follow other companies that I support to, to keep an eye on what they're doing so I get them on their feed. Um, mm-hmm. Fans, I don't follow a lot of fans back um, just to keep that like sort of parasocial boundary. Like, I don't want you to think we're friends. I'm, I'm a dinosaur, like, <laughs> we're not friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll follow artists and designers because, especially for Twitter, you will have those like Venn diagrams of audiences where people you follow are interacting with whoever and, and stuff like that. Mm. Hmm. Gotcha. So my follow-up question is if, so something that I am experiencing, I was experiencing already and fear will happen again as I rev up is, you know, I have a hundred something followers on Instagram and maybe two people that comment on posts, a bunch of people that like the posts, but liking is not commenting when it comes to like, it's not worth nearly as much in terms of engagement, I know. And so do you have specific strategies that you might employ like maybe it's pruning your follower list. Maybe it's following more people, um, you know, to start getting more people attracted to your Instagram account or whatever social media that will actually engage mm-hmm. as opposed to just gathering followers in general. Right. Um, 
There's a few different things you can do. I'd say the, the classic strategy is asking a question in your copy, in your, in your mm-hmm. social media text. Um, that gives them the diving board to leave a comment <laughs> to answer the question. But, you know, you don't want every post to be a question because then it's like, why is this company so curious? <laughs> um, it, you know, it just seems, it doesn't seem genuine anymore. Like you're fishing for comments and compliments. So mm. there's, you can strike a nice balance, right? Sometimes you do have an actual question, like feedback on a certain thing, or what's your favorite part or what's your favorite dinosaur, whatever. Um, they can, they can be silly like that too. Um, the other thing I do to encourage people leaving comments is again, leaving comments on their posts, especially with content creators, because they're, you're kind of like have parallel goals where they want new followers and and to reach more accounts too. So having this symbiotic, I'll comment on your stuff and you feel free to comment on mine too, like open forum and replying Mm -hmm. to comments too, showing that you're engaged in the conversation. Um, that's helpful too. However, it does require more time and attention to maintain Mm. those. So, uh, it's not always possible for everyone, right? Yeah. That's kind of why I've been thinking about where can I get the most bang for my buck in terms of Mm -hmm. attention I can feed it and output. And that's one of the big reasons why, you know, even after your excellent pitch of why you love Twitter so much, I think that might be like a lower priority for me just Mm -hmm. because you have to put in more effort because the conversations are more ephemeral. Yeah. And so that's another thing to consider too, is how much time do you have? Because as an indie publisher and indie designer, you have to wear all of the hats all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's a real, that's a real time cost. Right. And I think it's perfectly valid to not do every social media platform. If it doesn't fit you as a person or your brand, it's fine. (laughs) Um, especially if you make it just to make it and then it don't do anything with it. Like why your, <laughs> your bang for your buck is not being returned. Right. Right. Cool. Sweet. Those are all my questions. That was an extremely hem- helpful waterfall of knowledge. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> and then I, I just had one question, uh, which was, I, I was curious um, and this is for myself with doing the podcasts and, and also the publishing stuff. You know, I live in my personal Twitter accounts um, and I, I talk about a lot of stuff from there. And I see you obviously are, are tweeting a lot from your personal account mixed with your business account. So in, in that account, how do you separate, you know, your, your personal uh, followers and interactions from the stuff you're doing for Pandasaurus? Like because obviously it's just, it all gets a little muddied, right? Which I don't think is, I'm not calling that a bad thing. I'm just curious how you personally um, break that up. Um, you know? Yeah. So does that, does that make sense? No, it, it totally does. The answer is not super simple. Um, I'm going to start off by saying that it depends entirely on the platform and the type of mm. account you want to run. Because I know mm-hmm. a lot of indie publishers um, their personal account and business account is one and the same. Ah, right. like me. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so this question is not entirely applicable to them, but it, it hopefully will provide some thinking points if they eventually do want to split their accounts. Right. Um, so 
Let's take Board Game Geek first. I consider this another social media platform and a resource because with their forums, conversations and questions happen. Um, and it's a, it's a nice way to support mm. your fans um, and make them feel heard and appreciated and all these things. So there, um, when Pandasaurus was formed, uh, Nathan, one of the co-owners, he used his personal account for BGG. And so there's all this Pandasaurus customer support through his account. Um, mm-hmm. So it's made it a little bit complicated. And I don't know BGG's exact rules if you can have a company um, account instead of just a person account. But there, I'll respond to questions as myself. But mm-hmm. I've put, I have a Pandasaurus micro badge. I've got like the hover text to say like, I'm an actual rep. Like you are talking to an employee. Right. Legit Pandasaurus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not just this rando who thinks they know the answers to things. Please believe me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pay attention to me. Yeah. But with that, like I do have my personal collection on there. I sell ge- games on Geek Market. So there's a blurred line and I will get DMs from people asking me work questions. And so you just have to be prepared for that. I'm okay mm-hmm. with it on BGG because I'm answering work questions publicly and that's fine. Sometimes I will say like, oh, actually this is better for our actual customer service person to answer. You should email support, email, whatever. Yep. That um, makes total sense. Mm-hmm. For Twitter, um, I try to keep that boundary more, um, more defined, even though I will talk about work and I'll do my day to day in a life threads, all my personal, um, You'll notice I don't retweet those threads from Pandasaurus. And the reason being is it's not that I'm rewarding the fans who follow me. It's that I don't want people to start asking questions um, or turn it into uh, like, like demanding things or inferring Mm. things. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, On Twitter, I'll get people who reach out to me in DMS uh, to request review copies or to ask a rules question. I'm like, Hey bud, like <laughs> no, <laughs> my work profile is linked in my bio. You can easily, like you would have done the same thing. Just one, one account over. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so I will direct people to official avenues there. Cause like I post pictures right. of plants. I put, I talk about my parents mm-hmm. on my, my Twitter. <laughs> so I'm like, just a little strange for you to, Right. I get access to me working 24 seven. Mm-hmm. I think that's the difference. Right. Um, yeah. Cause Twitter's on my phone, but BGG, I only look on when I'm at work online. Right. Right. Um, with the, the things to share, like with on, on Twitter, I will retweet work stuff. I very rarely do the opposite where work account will retweet personal. Um, that's, that's a really good point. I, I didn't, I did not notice that, but that makes mm. total sense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Do you and obviously, rec- oh, sorry. I was just to say the line is even fuzzier if you are, you know, a creator, owner, and all of that. Like you said with Nathan having the BGG account that way, because, you know, when he's thinking I'm starting this little game company, <laughs> not realizing that someday <laughs> it's going to be this big game company, right? Uh, that kind of, you know, you kind of, yeah, I, I, I get it. I get what yeah. you're saying. So that, that well, makes total sense. This makes me think of, of something else too. That's tangentially related, but there is a reason I will respond. Another reason I'll respond as me, Danny, the person instead of Pandasaurus. And that is people can be pretty nasty to companies. 
um, and forget that there's actually a human being on the other side of the screen that they're talking to. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, well, like, you know my name and I know your name, Brian or whoever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, Brian. Always complaining that Brian. My teammate Brian just sent me a Slack message. Sorry, Brian. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was like, are you calling out Brian Lewis here? Is that what's happening? <laughs> it was Brian Lewis. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I didn't think I was, but yes. <laughs> um, but this is why, especially in Kickstarter comments, we've we've got the Pandasaurus account that's run by Nathan, aka Pandad. Um, and we've got me, who's, who's writing the updates and chiming in on the comments. And it's not to get any sort of clout or credit, but it's like, especially with Kickstarter, where there's a lot of emotional investment and anxiety, to be honest, um, it's better to talk person to person. And then Pandad Mm -hmm. can chime in when he needs to put his foot down about whatever the situation is. That's great. That's Mm -hmm. great. Yeah. I feel like I cut Um, you off at some point, Jamie. Oh, yeah, I was just going to have a quick question. So my plan right now, because I don't really use social media for personal use ever mm-hmm. at all, yeah. um, except Discord. Discord is my social media personally. Um, and so my plan was to only have the like the the Jamie Sabriel Flez slash Triple Rainbow Games is all of the social media. Do you recommend either now or like if it hits us like if it hits x point in your career separate them do you recommend separating them at any point or do you think that it could be totally fine to just have them combined forever more it's tricky um my instinct is to have them separated because if you want to change your mind ever you're going to have to worry about transferring and migrating your audience to Mm -hmm. either your personal audience if you keep it as your business or vice versa right there are some designers who, like Jamie Stegmeier, right? I think he still has combined profiles, um, especially on Twitter, maybe Instagram, where mm-hmm. he has thousands of followers and he talks about work stuff um, and a blend of personal stuff. So it's kind of your comfort level, but I would assume the larger you get, the less you want to be talking about your personal personal details publicly. Um, mm. As you get, you know, potentially thousands of people uh watching you (laughs) right um yeah well part of that is that i've never really thought about sharing life details sort of mm -hmm. like how you were like ah here is my coffee break here's a day in the life like i never thought to do that on social media at all because that's just it doesn't come naturally to me so the idea that i might do that for my business account is like that's wild to me so Mm -hmm. but i hear what you're saying in terms of you know, especially if I like dive more into social media and start doing stuff like that, it's going to be a little weird to have all kinds of people getting those peaks into my life. (laughs) Right, right. But I mean, there's, there's degrees of doing that too. So one option is to introduce yourself, like make yourself known, like, we know Triple Rainbow is run by Jamie, but um, Mm -hmm. you don't have to have that be your personal as, as well. But you could start your post with like, hey, Jamie here, whatever. Barf, barf text and copy, whatever. Um, and that would make the transition better, especially if your team ever grows. Uh, right. So you're like, oh, right. now we've got our new teammate, Brian. Lewis, congrats. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you complained so much. You got a job with us. Congra- <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> you cracked the code. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Good to know. Yeah, I... 
I, I'll be honest, like, it is a pipe dream of mine to have any number of employees besides <laughs> just me. I mean, yeah. I have contractors, of course, but like, right, right. you know, hiring someone even part time is beyond the scope of what I can imagine. I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> but maybe someday, you know, fingers crossed, fight sequence, the next big, next big game, I'm going to make it for 30 years. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know if you know the Pandasaurus story, but Molly and Nathan, the co-owners, they're, they're married. Um, mm-hmm. They started Pandasaurus in 2012. And they were a two-person team for like eight years. And they finally grew their team beyond their household. Wow. So, Ooh. and now now we're six people with potentially more next year. Who knows? <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, now that Brian's joined your team, we have an opening. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good job, Brian. Professional complainer. Good old Brian. Poor Brian. I, I hope I meet Brian someday just so I can apologize. <laughs> you don't have, Brian's doing all right. You don't have to feel bad for Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's going to start his own company. <laughs> ah. Well, this has been a really, really good conversation. Um, we should probably keep moving here, though. We are we are a bit over time, but uh, but that was worth yeah, it. That's cool. This is totally worth it. Um, and I uh, I want you um, uh danny i almost said jamie uh danny i wanted to give you a chance um to is there to to tell us about a game uh coming up from something you're working on that you're excited about yeah so from a designer perspective a game design perspective we've got a game releasing in december that is just so interesting uh Mm -hmm. it's called that Mm -hmm. time you killed me so if you're not interested by the title alone you should look it up and look at the art because it's also already in. <laughs> yeah. Um, this game's designed by Peter C. Hayward, who owns <gasps> Jellybean Games. Ooh. Um, he's got this brilliant, brilliant mind, uh, and it has been used full force in that time you killed me. Uh, essentially, it's inspired by 4D chess, and thematically, what? it's a two-player-only <laughs> game. Two-player-only abstract strategy game, where one person has invented the time machine, and therefore time travel, and the other player is their arch nemesis trying to murder them to take credit for the invention. Okay. So you're, tr- you're playing across the past, present, and future simultaneously, right? You've got three boards in oh. front of you, and your goal um, is to eliminate your opponent's pawns on two of, of the boards, two of any of the boards. Uh, and there are modules that add new layers of mechanics and rules. So as, as players understand and master one rule set, they'll open a tuck box and get more stuff that increases the difficulty and the intrigue and the Very overarching cool. quote unquote story. So that sounds little, wild. Yeah. This pinata of fun ideas. That sounds <laughs> super cool. And, and Peter, I, I, yes, <laughs> is brilliant and, and terrifying all in one. <laughs> yeah. The stuff yeah, that, that dude comes up with there is amazing. Yeah. No, he's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's almost intimidating. It's kind of like Yue Rosenberg and Sen Fung Lin. They're just like mm. intimidatingly genius. And they have mm-hmm. so many, so like such a storied history of excellent game ideas. Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely going to check that out. I also just really love the phrase, a pinata of fun ideas. Like I hope <laughs> I ever have a game I designed described like that. <laughs> or like even a game ecosystem. If someone looks back at five sets of fight sequence and was like, this was a pinata of fun ideas. Yeah. I, I will feel like I have won at game design. 
<laughs> I just hope that doesn't mean they took a bat to your game and smashed Oh my it God. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> a fiesta of fun ideas? Maybe that there we would... go. Yeah, that flows better. This seems this seems like a really mean YouTube channel where people just <laughs> buy copies of games and then beat them with baseball bats. I mean, there there are little like not shops there there are businesses where the whole thing is you go in and you rent some time in a room with a hammer and you just beat mm. the heck out of electronics and other things yeah that's the whole thing i forget what it's called it has a name this pastime has a name yes it's well i forget anyway <laughs> uh danny though thank you again this was so much fun and such a great learning experience really appreciate your time today yeah oh my goodness. it was so, much it was fun so good too. i love talking about this yay so uh, listeners, if you want to get in touch with the, uh, the podcast, you can, of course, reach out at buildingthegamepodcast.com. There you can join our Discord channel. Uh, remember, we have our weekly accountability meetups, which are fantastic. We get lots of mm. great stuff done with game design, and uh, it only takes 30 minutes. Uh, also, uh, you can reach out to us at buildingthegamepodcast.gmail.com. You can call us at 770-TELL-BTG. Twitter is always the best place, though, at PodcastBTG, at J.A. Slingerland, at Try Rainbow Games. Mm -hmm. And uh, Danny is at Danny Below. And that is Danny, D-A-N-N-I-B-E-L-O-W. And uh, you can find all of us out there. And we encourage you, of course, to come back again next time and every time. But until then, <laughs> good night. Good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770 tell BTG. Please don't use the email. <laughs>